I love a whodunit. I'm a whodunit slut, okay? Two bitches, yeah, two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch. Hi, welcome back. Hello. It's your bitches back with a new episode of Dexter. I was going to say hot Dexter content. It's hot because it's new, but it was not. this was not a hot steamy week. This was a sad cry week. Mm. <laughs> Although those jeans were looking really good. Yeah, Michael, whoever dressed Michael C. Hall for this 10-week stint just did the Lord's work. Even his overalls were good. Uh-huh. Those Carhartts. <laughs> you asked uh, where I thought he got those jeans or what brand they were, and I said they were woven out of angel's wings for him. Yeah. <laughs> so this is episode two, Storm of Fuck. Sorry, I was trying to remember if Dexter actually said those words. He said those words quite a lot. Yes. But I don't think Deborah ever did. No. Which you thought for sure she was going to say. And um, I did see online that she says Storm of Fuck in season seven, maybe episode three or four. I remembered the phrase. Yeah. Which, again, is me saying that Dexter's mental depiction of her isn't actually Deborah necessarily. It's his inner conscience guilt demon thing. But... Although I think that's slightly switched up a little bit this week. Yeah. Now that he's this side of a kill, his whole narrative has changed. Deborah's gotten a lot more aggressive and mocking almost, which is very interesting. Well, she's very straightforward with him again. I feel like in week one, we see she portrays more of a coddling. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of you, Dexter. You're, you know, you've been clean for so long, Dexter. I'm glad I was gone first. It hurts me to see you like this. And now she's openly mocking him to his face. She's laughing mm-hmm. at him. She's telling him that he's a fuck up and he's doing everything wrong and he's going to fuck up again. And I feel like Deborah in life was a very straight shooter. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, do I think she would be out there laughing at him while he's trying to cover a crime scene? Not necessarily, but <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts of the episode, actually. Yeah, and we discussed last week how it's very clear to at least both of us that the actor who portrays Deborah, Jennifer Carpenter, and then the actor who portrays Angela, whose name has completely left my brain, look very similar. I saw a still of Jennifer Carpenter in the woods where she's laughing at him on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But the picture was of her at a distance and the picture's kind of blurry. Mm-hmm. Even with zooming in, I, for the life of me, could not tell which actress it was until I saw how slender the legs were. And I go, okay, uh-huh. that's got to be Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even in the shot where she is laughing at him in the woods, I will say is very blurred, mm-hmm. which is interesting because we see Deborah a lot in a very direct manner throughout this. I mean, she's a jump scare basically through the window. She's in his face. She's grabbing his mouth and his in his business but in the woods she's blurred i wonder if that's a reflection of where dexter is maybe yes he's focused at covering the crime scene and we saw with the actual kill last week he's very rusty yes all of this is coming back to him and very quickly i should add but it is having to come back to him he's not practiced it's been a very long time and i wonder if she's kind of blurry because he's working very hard to focus on one thing and she's playing Mm -hmm. background noise Yeah, that would make sense. I know it sounds like we're out here saying the curtains were blue because blah, 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 blah. No, I genuinely think the showrunner of this absolutely is like, no, the curtains are blue because of his inner demons. (laughs) And the only reason I'm even playing armchair sleuth in this, because normally I let Mm -hmm. you take that, (laughs) is I listen to... A podcast last week, a summary of last week's episode. It's a Showtime sponsored thing, so it isn't a fan base mm-hmm. like us. The person who hosts it is a writer and executive producer on New Blood, and he wrote for the mm-hmm. original stint, and he interviewed 
One, he interviewed Michael C. Hall, but he also interviewed Clyde Phillips, who was the writer of this stint, and he was the showrunner for the first four seasons of the original Dexter, which are the big seasons. We talked about it in great yes. detail in our first season, but the first four seasons of the original Dexter are so strong and so solid, and not that there aren't good things and strengths that come after that, but- Hannah. Great things. Um, <laughs> but there are definitely weaknesses, like the whole doomsday killer. Or plots yeah. that didn't need to happen. It just felt like all sorts of out of the woodwork. And that's because Clyde wasn't there. Yeah. Clyde is a mastermind. Yeah. Clyde sat down with the person who ran the interview, whose name also left my brain. And he broke down a lot of things that as I was listening to it, I had to pick my job because I was like, whoa, I didn't even consider <laughs> that. Like the fact that they chose a white deer is because it's supposed to be perfection. And Dexter's always chasing perfection. And mm-hmm. the moment he thinks he gets it is the moment that that illusion is shattered and the deer dies. And yeah, the marks on the calendar are the blood slide cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned last week, a lot of fan service, a lot of we have to do this because dedicated fans will catch this and mm-hmm. we're looking for it now. I feel like we were a lot more attentive this week than we were last week. Which is saying something. We also were very distracted off the top last week with Dexter and Angela in the back of that SUV. <laughs> Sheesh. I also like how they're working in the titles, not just in old Dexter fashion of it's a TV show. Here's the title. It is worked into the scene very cleverly. Mm-hmm. And this time we see the title in a mirror from the girl that Angela helped in the last episode in the bar, the hitchhiker, which she is definitely in a storm of fuck right now. <laughs> yeah. So we see Lily and she is in what looks like some form of a guest room. I don't think it's a hotel room. It doesn't quite look like a hotel room, but it has a bathroom attached to a bedroom slash sitting area. And she is getting out of a shower and wiping the mirror clean, which is where we see the title's name, Storm of Fuck. She walks out into the main room and there is a plate of chocolate covered strawberries and champagne sitting on the table. And she looks somewhat confused, but not extremely disturbed. Like, it would be unusual for someone to be in the room. And she binge eats these and drinks the champagne. And while she's doing this, we see that someone is watching her. Presumably a man is watching her from the way that eyebrow was unkempt. That eyebrow. I just really wanted to just trim that sucker up. But he is watching her from a camera that is in a slot that looks like a light bulb. But it has a red light on it as well as it really looks like a surveillance camera. So I don't know how Homegirl didn't notice this before. Am I the only one who checks rooms I'm in for cameras? Do you check rooms, strange rooms for cameras? At least do a once over? I think if I were staying in a room alone, absolutely. I don't know the last time I stayed in a hotel room alone. Exactly. But I feel even when Brian and I go places, I at least, I don't know that I'm necessarily, if I'm being honest, I think the thing for cameras, but I always make sure the door feels secure, that the window's in place, not weird holes or weird cracks. I also exactly. worked in a hotel for a year, so I'm not saying that there isn't the possibility of a camera being placed mm-hmm. in a room. People are creeps. Creeps are everywhere. Yeah. I also know the likelihood of it happening. In my experience, it isn't something that I think about. I'm not as spooked yeah. about it as say the next person. I promise I am not paranoid and think people are out to get me. I just have a very heightened sense of, I need to make sure everything's on the up and up. I don't know if that's past trauma jumping out. Maybe. Don't know. But I watch too much true crime (laughs) to 
to not. Sorry, uh, the hotel industry. The thing to be more worried about is the front desk not checking your name when they remake you a key. This is why I always lock the top lock. Yeah, they really advise if you're traveling alone. <laughs> Safety and travel tips with Witsy. If you're traveling alone and you do get a hotel or motel, the mm-hmm. best you can move a piece of furniture in front of the door. Oh yeah, absolutely. I did that when I was living in an apartment by myself in like a sketchy side of town. Yeah, there was a case of a hotel that actually got sued in Iowa because the person who gained a key to this person's room never got identified and let himself into this room. And you can imagine. So Jesus. the lady won the lawsuit and she's you know taken care of but man she's got a a lot of trauma to unpack yeah and all that money went to her therapist yeah so that's the thing i'm more worried about is is the hotel staff properly trained do they know how to properly give keys make sure someone's where they're supposed to be make sure sketchy people aren't where they aren't supposed to be more than i worry about cameras but that's just me anyhow then we see her get very very sick she crawls back into bed and says oh champagne but i've seen people drink a lot of champagne and normally they're not that sick that definitely was spiked or drugged something was the strawberries Mm. the champagne something was definitely and she is just extremely ill and we see her crawl back into bed later on she wakes up and she realizes that the door is completely locked and she finally sees the camera with the red light on in the corner she walks up to it and scribbled in it looked almost like red crayon yeah you're already dead yeah and she breaks down crying So that's what we see of her sprinkled throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. And we just see the eye of the person keeping her. And we see that eye and that eyebrow at the very end. So we will get there. I think that's the only thing that I'm upset with knowing about Dexter ahead of time is Uh the big bad. Because that actor is such a big name. I don't know who he is, but he's such a big name and like... (laughs) I didn't know who he was. Television circles. It was a big deal that they got him for this. And people were very excited that he was going to be here. And it was very celebrated that he was going to be the big bad. Mm -hmm. And I think knowing that he's the big bad in a way takes away something for me but at the same time you know it all the other seasons too like you know like you know john lithgow except for the, the first bad. right 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 but i loved that about the first season i love a whodunit i'm a whodunit slut okay we at least are going to get the mystery of why is he the big bad what's the correlation between how he presents to the town because it looks like the town really respects him he seems Again, there was a lot of white man saying, I'm good. I donate to indigenous people. Or this town. Yeah, and like... I said in the episode, if you're a good person, you don't have to say you're a good person and talk about all the good things you do. Correct. Yeah, he walked into the scene and I finally went, well, there's your big bad, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the thing is how this came about for him, but we'll get there. Yeah, I think if I hadn't read Dexter News all summer long into now, I wouldn't have known that was the big bad, so maybe I did it to myself. But I was gotcha. desperately scouring the internet trying to figure out if Yvonne Starosky was going to come back, and now we know. Yeah. Now Plot twist, know. she shows up at the end. <laughs> Don't, don't tease my heart. The episode opens with Dexter and Harrison sitting within the cabin. They're staring at one another and we hear Dexter in his monologue starting off the top. We're back in his head. We know what's going on. And he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to say to Harrison, his son that he basically abandoned all those years ago. He says, well, you've gotten big. My first thought was maybe just sorry. Like that's a good starter. Or how did you find me? How did you get here? Like, And then blueberry pancakes. Offers him blueberry pancakes because he liked them when he was five. Which Harrison is a smart ass. Yeah, he is. He claps back. 
Um, the two of them settle that Harrison would accept a sandwich from Dexter. So Dexter hops up, makes him a sandwich. We see Harrison going to town on this sandwich, asks for the layout of the house because he needs to find the restroom. We joke that he was going to leave him an upper decker. <laughs> Dexter offers that Harrison can take his room, but Harrison says that the couch is good enough for him. Yes. We also find out that Hannah definitely died of cancer in this conversation, yeah. which you'll hear it in the highlight reel, I'm sure, of just devastation. How hard this this hit me uh you as well but oof mm-hmm. we find out that she died of pancreatic cancer she passed what harris said three years before this yep and then he's been bouncing around foster homes he's had a little bit of a rough go of it i like the conversation at least we kind of find out how he found dexter after hannah died he found the letter he tracked it back to the town in oregon and then finally tracked down jim Lindsay from an Instagram photo that one of his bowling team members posted on Instagram. How he figured that one out, that's terrifying. This is why I'm terrified of my identifying information being anywhere. Yeah, he said that he saw a picture of him, but how do you yes. come across that? Did he just search bowling? How would he have known? I Weirder things have happened, and maybe the name Jim Lindsay, maybe it was in the Instagram caption, and that's what pulled it, and he was just going through mass amounts, because obviously he was, because we find out that there are a ton of Jim Lindsay Lindsay's, which is why Dexter chose that name. But uh, I guess the big question is, and that we don't know, and we probably won't know. Do you think Dexter mm-hmm. went straight from Dexter Morgan to Jim Lindsay? I think so. Otherwise, I don't know how he would have found him from Oregon. Yeah. Okay. That's the part that didn't connect in my brain of how long ago did he assume this very specific alias? I think he's had this alias for some time and that he gave that name in Oregon because it was a popular name. Mm-hmm. That's how Harrison tracked him down to Iron Lake was via the name. Okay. He said there was no forwarding information mm-hmm. from his previous employer. Yeah. And they didn't keep good records. So, which is why Dexter chose that job, of course. The next morning, Dexter goes outside and is looking around and starting his morning chores. And he looks over to the side of his house and realizes that there are blood prints in the snow from when he was disposing of Matt. That I lost my mind about last episode. (laughs) Yeah. So he starts covering up the snow as a swarm of police cars drive up onto his property, including Angela, the police chief, his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. She informs Dexter, Jim, that Matt Caldwell went missing near this area the night before and that she would really like to set up a base camp outside of his property or on his property because his cabin is very close to public hunting land as well as the Seneca reservation without thinking about it because Dexter's trying to keep his cool of I'm trying to cover blood in the snow wow now I'm looking at a bunch of police 12 hours after (laughs) a murder (laughs) Harrison being inside of his house completely slips his mind because he's trying Mm -hmm. to remain cool calm and collected in front of Angela and the rest of the police he says yeah sure like set up base here it's fine like I'll help with your search don't set up by the fire pit fire pit stay warm and and I can make breakfast and Angela asks if she can go inside his cabin and use the table Dexter's like yeah yeah sure and then as soon as she sets off he turns around he remembers Harrison's inside as Harrison Mm -hmm. is walking out to ask what's going on with all the cops and then I just made a scribble little note that said Angela meets Harrison yikes because it was very awkward because he introduces himself as Harrison Jim's son Jim's son. He's very smooth. Uh And we see that throughout this episode that Harrison's very quick to lie. He comes up with answers quickly and there's no hesitation. 
We can tell that he's yeah. used to covering his tracks for some while, which gives us a little bit of pause as to who is he and what's he been up to. Yeah, he is very slick with Angela and he does not skip a beat. And Angela seems taken aback by this and I expected her to be very upset and we find out later she's not. Yeah, she was really cool with it, which I was very caught off guard by. Yeah, especially with her attitude the entire episode. Yeah. Maybe it was just processing. processing. Maybe at first she thought that he lied to her and then she realized, oh, I haven't been completely honest with him Mm -hmm. about Audrey and how she adopted her. So because of all of this, once things calm down and things are kind of cleared between Harrison and Angela, Dexter starts panicking because he remembers, oh, I had to cover up this blood trail to my house right by my house. What if it's going all the way out to the actual murder scene? So he volunteers that he and Harrison can take his RTV out through the woods towards the Seneca Reservation property just to do a sweep that direction. It'll be a lot faster than on foot. So Dexter, sure enough, left a nice, neat little trail all the way back to his house. We can tell he's rusty. That's like rule number one. Don't get caught. (laughs) Here, breadcrumbs all the way back. So he's swerving a lot and Harrison's like, dude, what the hell? He's like, avoiding rocks. U-turns really fast to like mess up and cover up the blood Mm -hmm. until he gets out to the deer and they get out of the RTV and Dexter says, oh man, this is serious. This is Seneca land. This is illegal. Go get Angela. Take the RTV back. I'll wait here and make sure no one messes up the crime scene. (laughs) But what he's actually doing is cleaning up the crime scene once Harrison leaves. Deb's in the background, as we mentioned earlier, mocking him and laughing of, man, I've heard of criminals returning to the scene of the crime, but this is ridiculous. You're Windexing a rock? (laughs) Because he finds a rock that Matt hit his head on when he went down. And so he Windexes it, yates it, then makes a trail that runs to the road, leaves a glove with blood on it from the deer by the road. So it looks like he hitched a ride because he panicked and then circles back around to the crime scene where we see that some of the indigenous people have found the deer and are circling it, which he says, great, this will cover up even more stuff because it's totally wrecking this crime scene. And they're talking about how much of a waste it was and how no one would do this. And so then Dexter plants, do you think Matt could have done this? Uh, Because they were searching for Matt through Seneca lands. About that time, Angela rolls up. The homie who I'm assuming kind of leads that tribe walks over to her and says, Matthew Caldwell murdered this white buck on our land. This is illegal. Demands justice that he needs to be found and he needs to be prosecuted. That's when the theory of, I bet he hitchhiked by the road when Fred Jr. comes running up with the glove. (laughs) Before they even get done taping off the scene and Angela tells them all to back away from the scene because they're ruining it. Dexter is kind of feeling like this is a win so far. He's covering his ass. Mm -hmm. Dexter conveniently remembers that he sold Matt a gun and very specific bullets Mm -hmm. and that he can go back and check the records and see if they match. About the time that as the investigator, someone's looking into the deer and says that there's no exit wound so they know the bullet is still in the deer. Dexter offers to take the deer back on his RTV to have it gutted and find the slug in town. All of this evidence that Dexter has put together to make it look like Matt just hitched out of town. Planted. (laughs) Doesn't quite convince Angela and she still wants to keep searching even though the narrative is pointing a specific direction because again because of Dexter. Um, She still has a search going and she points out that at this time that school will be getting out soon and that the teenagers will be helping with the search too and she would like for Harrison to meet her daughter Audrey because they're roughly around the same age. Which I said "Mm, 
that's gonna end badly somehow yeah as the teenagers are coming onto the property we see dexter and harrison walking around and feeding dexter's goats for which they talk about how hannah had goats and sheep and chickens and the farm she wanted yeah in argentina within this conversation harrison very easily and naturally refers to hannah as mom i'm getting so choked up um, i know and like you said, has the farm that she always wanted because Dexter points out, oh, you're really good with goats. Harrison asks what the goat's called. Dexter says, oh, I've just been calling it goat, <laughs> but asks what the goat back in Argentina was called. And Harrison said they called it Vincent Van Goat. And Dexter dons this one, Vincent Van Goat the second. But the way he said it, he's like, Harrison, I present to you Vincent Van Gogh II. That's probably my favorite part of the whole episode. Dexter is so out of his element. Dexter really struggles to relate to his fellow human. That's kind of the whole point of Dexter. He is really yes. trying his damn hardest to get somewhere with Harrison. Mm -hmm. He knows he's done 10 years of wrong against Harrison by letting Harrison just believe he was dead and then not yeah. reaching out to him. He doesn't even know if Harrison wants to stay at this point. Harrison doesn't know if he wants to stay at this point. It's very broken glass. I'll just say that, you know, mm -hmm. you don't want to walk on broken glass. Or it's very thin ice. True. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward isn't quite the right word, but it is almost. It's yes. uncharted territory, but Dexter really is trying. And it's very sweet to see how a quote monster is trying to do this. Which is what we said for eight gosh damn diddly darn seasons is that Dexter calls himself a monster a lot, but he's not a monster all the way through. Because he has feelings. I have no feelings. You have feelings, bro. Yeah. You suppress them. <laughs> also, Clyde Phillips brought up a good point that somewhere in the, toward the middle of Dexter, Dexter says, if I could love, I would love Deborah. I would love my sister. So it's really mm -hmm. interesting now that this is the projection that he carries with him. Yeah. To remind him not to kill until now. We'll be right back after a quick break. At this point, Dexter says he needs to head into town because he has to check the gun record, gun and bullet records. He tells Harrison he's welcome to stay in the cabin if he doesn't want to go mingle with teenagers because he had a hard time meeting people his own age when he was in school. And Harrison's like, I've been without you for 10 years. I think I can handle a couple hours. Jim walks over and meets the teenagers. They get along and Harrison goes along with them thinking that they're going to join the search for Matt, but they end up actually breaking into an empty summer camp cabin. Most of the teenagers get high except for Harrison. He mentions that he ran into drugs a few years prior but now he's clean i'll tell you what i still do not know how that child opened that door how he got that lock off he busted out a jackknife or like a utility <laughs> knife yeah started sawing sawed the part that holds the padlock holder part on but the screws were still intact was what i didn't understand <laughs> and then he just shoved his shoulder into it i don't know there's a lot that's if anyone Anyone can figure out how this boy opened this door. Tell me. Because I thought he was going to pick the lock, like Dexter mm -hmm. style. No, he just saw- We even watched it back a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, we were like, what the hell? Because <laughs> I was wondering if Hannah taught him how to lock pick, and he's been on the streets and in foster care, and he learned how to pick lock. Something that would indicate something nefarious. Yeah, what we've learned in this is that he at least- This wasn't his first time he's ever done it. So we know he gets up to no good in the neighborhood. He does drugs or did drugs. But he's not picking locks. He's not picking locks and he can lie like a mother hubbard, but he saws 
screws i don't know and then the kids go through his pack and find a book full drawings yeah he's an artist we see drawings and he's really good at it and he catches them audrey's trying to get them to put the book back it's the boys of course and so he makes noise as he's bringing in more wood for the fire and he sees them going through his pack it cuts back over to where dexter and angela are watching as the butcher that we met last week is going through the deer they find the bullet angela identifies the bullet as bullet terminology here and something something hollow point something something yeah and dexter pulls out a piece of paper conveniently he's like he's like this is a 63205 hollow point mag grand point five caliber butthole i don't yeah, know he pulls out all the exact very specific specifications and frank i left in that foley work for you so after they confirmed that this is the same bullet that dexter sold to Matt that was used to kill this deer. Angela looks at Dexter, pulls him over to the side and says that they need to talk. Then it cuts to them inside of his cabin. It was a little cut all over the place. Yeah. I thought it was a little weird, but... I loved his mission of when she says, we need to talk. Something you never want to hear from your doctor or your girlfriend. <laughs> and I feel like this is peak Dexter monologue because he did this shit yes. all the time in the first few seasons. Especially when Rita said she needed to talk. He would make some snide remark about it as well. He may have said this exact same quote. This could be a repeated quote it could and also while he's sitting on the couch it was very reminiscent of when rita wanted to like actually like be intimate or something like that i remember vividly there is a scene of them on the couch and he's thinking this is where she breaks up with you this is where she says you're too detached and that you're hollow inside and that you're not a real person and you're like, like a robot and then he says the exact same thing sitting on the couch with angela who's sitting like deborah yeah cross-legged she's got her legs folded up underneath her and she's sitting sideways on the couch so she can look at him directly and Deborah always sat like that if she was like looking at evidence or even on the couch with Dexter and so mm -hmm. it was just it's eerie it is it's very eerie but as we mentioned a little earlier she seems really cool by Harrison being there she's glad yeah. that he's there with Dexter Jim <laughs> Dexter Jim yeah. I liked how she shared that she adopted Audrey and that she didn't go looking for Audrey's mom because I look for missing women all the time but not one who gives up her newborn yeah then she understood understands how Dexter's brain works, at least to an extent. She says that was me sharing and opening for you to share. So she's got good communication skills, actually. Well, she's a police chief. You have to imagine she's talked okay. someone off of a bridge. We don't know where her history is before Iron Lake. But I'm just surprised that they actually showed somebody with healthy communication skills. Because often enough, it's used as a, something to move the plot forward or to make a conflict where there isn't mm -hmm. one. Dexter opens up and says he doesn't want to screw Harrison up, that he doesn't know how to be a good father to him. She just gives him really solid advice. She says that the most important thing about being a parent is just to be there for them, show up every single day, mm -hmm. and the rest will come. I was just thinking about how she then unloads on his ass about, you need to enroll him in school, oh. and there's college prep coming up. You need to blah, 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 and X, Y, Z. Dexter checks out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I did not realize that when I signed up to be a dad, I'd have to worry about college prep. But Angela seems like she's excited about this aspect of their relationship that they can now talk about parenting or talk about other pressures of this aspect of life because she said that uh -huh. up to this point, she didn't feel like she could talk about Audrey to him because she didn't think he would be interested in that aspect. I was say, which I would argue that if with somebody and you have a child, I feel like that's something you should be able to talk to them about. I will just say though, at this 
point, actually, we got it from both sides. Dexter mm-hmm. tells Harrison that he and Angela haven't been seeing each other very long. Mm-hmm. On the other side, Audrey tells Harrison, oh, with my mom, it won't last long. So I don't think yeah. she has a habit of getting serious with people. That's true. She's afraid to open up as well. Correct. Which Dexter may have sensed out. She doesn't pry in his past. He doesn't pry in her past. Yep, exactly. As you mentioned, she unloads of all these things that Dexter needs to prepare for him. And she kind of realizes that she's said too much as far as too much information at once. And she kind of yeah. laughs. She's like, well, why don't you just start with a cot? And we see that Dexter takes her up yeah. on that later. Which she puts the child in a utility closet. <laughs> we'll get there. It's not buying him his own apartment, but it's progress. Yeah. And then this was the part of the episode where we get the real meat and potatoes of what happened with Dexter after the hurricane. Sort of. We find out really how Harrison really tracked him down. Harrison is starting to probe and ask why Dexter did what he did. Because when Harrison brings this up, he says that when Hannah told me you died I cried I kept a picture of you by my bed and I looked at that every single night and I missed you eight years later I find this letter or so many years later I find this letter that you're alive and I got so mad yeah and so he said that he tracked him down from the letter to the town that the letter was mailed from found his employer found I think the name and he then he said do you know how many Jim Lindsay's there are on the internet a lot because he pointed out a bowling picture and Dexter says yeah my team got so and so last year he says that's how I found you someone post a picture of you bragging about how you bowled a 300 yeah on Instagram and so I found you in Iron Lake that's something that's dedication he had to be checking in we get the sense that he's been looking for him ever since hannah died since he found out that he was still alive within this letter not only is he angry that dexter is up and dipped but in the letter he mentions dark tendencies and he asks him what the hell is this about because part of the instruction that he left to hannah besides i guess i'm alive take care of my kids see you never is contact me if you see any dark tendencies in him. And we know that from the moment Rita died, Dexter was so concerned, almost obsessed over if Harrison was going to be born in blood the way he was. Yes. Harrison says, you know, what dark tendencies, what did you see in me? And Dexter tells him. And I thought it was interesting if you read their body language, Harrison's standing with no, there's no furniture in front of him. There's nothing. He's Uh very, very very open, very clear. Dexter's standing behind a ladder. So holding it. While you can still see him, you can tell he's trying to put a physical boundary between the two. And I think that's very, Uh very important here because he wants to be honest with Harrison. But how do you tell someone, I gave you up because I'm a serial killer and I was afraid I was going to fuck you up. You know, you you don't really say that. Yeah. So he just says that he had dark tendencies, that he got lost. He went down a dark road basically after... He had his demons. Demons, that's right. That he had his own demons after Rita died and after Deb died and that it was hard for him when Hannah and Harrison left. Went. I shouldn't say left. That makes it sound like they chose, but... And they just kind of hash it out that Dexter felt him separating himself from Harrison was the best thing for Harrison. Yeah. But I don't think this conflict is resolved. It'd be way too early, you know, so... Oh, yeah, no. Way too easy. And you can definitely tell that Harrison has a bit of a chip on his shoulder about it. Now, I will note... Because we didn't really talk about it. When Dexter found out that Hannah died of pancreatic cancer, he looked devastated. Oh, you know, I said this so many times in our original season that Hannah was Dexter's great love. He got to be uh-huh. himself with her. And something I know we didn't say anything about in our original watch through because it wasn't something I picked up on. I learned this from freaking Clyde Phillips himself. Yes, Dexter narrates. We get his inner monologue all the time. His inner monologue, there's monumental amount less of inner monologue when he's with Hannah. 
Yeah. He's out of his own head. He doesn't have to keep any of it inside. He can share everything with her. So we get less in her monologue. And that's something I never would have ever clocked of. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I really do believe, like we said, that he could be himself with her. He could be totally upfront with her. She knew who he was and that didn't bother her. It wasn't her path, but it didn't bother her. Now, getting over that trust issue boundary, that was the hurdle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was rough, but. Yeah, I think it hurt him. It hurt him more than me, I'm sure, but it was a pretty big blow to Dexter. It was. It was. And I found it really weird whenever Harrison wasn't with Dexter, he referred to her as his stepmom. At first I was like, whoa, did Hannah like get a female lover? Like, hold on. I didn't think <laughs> hold that. on. Because I, I think she would have waited out for Dexter as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're about to cry <laughs> me too. But he refers to her as stepmom and that hurt me. I was like, you little bastard. Why would you call her your stepmom? I think he was trying to earn trauma points with these other kids. I don't know. To be like, look at me. I'm so cool and edgy. I have two dead moms or something i don't know who knows it's a teenage thing he's what 16 who knows probably they haven't come out and said it still in high school yeah it's okay move on i can't deal with this scene as the episode comes to the close angela feels confident to say that matt skipped out of town and she's pulling up the investigation after dexter's made burgers for all the police um (laughs) but mr caldwell crashes the scene yeah that's our big bad this season he's the eyebrow man (laughs) he's talking to everyone and he pulls out his big receipt of all the good deeds he's done for everyone that basically every high schooler's worked at his truck stop that when fred senior's roof caved in where fred jr now owns the business but when the roof caved in he fronted the money for the repair so the business could stay open and that he sponsors this festival every year and that he's done so much for this town he knows his son has to be out there and that his son will freeze to death if they don't intervene and go out and find him so because there's no way he skipped town without reaching out to him because every time he's in trouble he calls daddy yeah because we learned that last week when matt crashed that boat and killed five other people mr caldwell paid off the police and paid off dick face bill the man has the audacity to say i know my son's not perfect but oh really that's the understatement of the year angela pushes back on him and says no like i'm pulling this Mm -hmm. detail off they're done they're going home and then he whips this out it's very similar to a scene we saw earlier where she's talking to the oil billionaire mr olson the oil billionaire who had the protest against him where he even somewhat sideways threatens audrey to her when she's asking for a helicopter to help the search and he's talking about all the good things he's done and it's just gross Stop it. Yeah. Good people don't have to say how good they are all the time. As the episode's closing, Mr. Caldwell says that no stone will go unturned. As he's standing next to a fire pit between Angela and Dexter. Yeah. And he seems really jolly. If we didn't know he was the big bad, I think it'd be a really big reveal. The town seems really seem like they like him. They hold him in high regard. Mr. Caldwell says that no stone will go unturned. And then the camera starts painting down and we hear in Dexter's inner monologue that some stones may go unturned. The camera keeps painting down, painting down, and we see beneath the fire pit, beneath the ground, underneath where everyone is standing, we see Matt cut up in bags and his gun on top of him which i found odd we sat there and paused and discussed for a little bit we rewatched it several times we watched the door breaking thing a couple times we watched this like three or four times and i made a mental and then paused and i made a mental note when brian and i watch this again later i'm gonna ask him what the hell he thinks this is yeah without telling him anything else just see what he thinks it is because in the scene where he's cutting up matt he looks at an ice fishing poster and says it's no miami harbor but it'll do 
there's still a hole. I wonder if because he wanted to go catch Harrison before he left, that he panicked, didn't have time, threw him under the fire pit, buried him under there. But that seems like more work. Exactly. Like you have to dig a whole hole. And the thing that made me really confirm that it's under the fire pit is in the next episode, he says that that Matt's right under their feet. Yeah. And they're all gathered around the fire pit. So maybe they're misleading. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I, I think you're right. Because I was like, no, I think that's of the bottom of the lake. And then after I rewatched it, I have to kind of agree that it looks like it's under the fire pit. I mean, I, and I understand the concept of ice fishing. You're fishing a hole mm-hmm. in the ground. I mean, in water and water's got to go somewhere. But there was no movement. It didn't, nothing of that scenery looked yeah. like water. There was nothing moving, nothing Other bubbling. than it was just dark. What I thought it was is I thought I was seeing little bubbles on the gun. Like, you mm-hmm. know when you submerge something and it doesn't come back up, there's little bubbles attached. Yeah. And I thought that's what I was seeing. I think they're rocks. I think they're just little tiny, like, soot rocks. Because mm-hmm. we see rocks, we see soil. It's very confusing. Also, I feel like the depth perception of that image, because I pictured it as something doing this, mm-hmm. um, making a motion like it's hollowed out, like the bottom of a river or a lake but i think it was actually cross-section and the depth perception threw me off it's very confusing we'll find out next episode but lord (laughs) yeah that's what i got for this episode i tried to take notes since we watched Mm -hmm. last week and we were just so overwhelmed with all the information we were taking in i tried to make very loose notes of Mm -hmm. this is at least the order of operations of what happened here but there's still as you can tell uh, still a lot that we don't know and we'll just have to learn Mm -hmm. week by week i didn't like this episode as much as the first one but that's to be expected. It's episode two. Not every episode can be a banger, you know? I feel like it did its job moving the plot along without a bunch of extra or too little information. Right. I feel like they're going to have to start giving us exposition Mm -hmm. of where the hell did Harrison come from? You know, now we have some questions answered. And and I feel like they're doing a good job of it. That They're not just telling us everything all at once. They're slowly revealing it. So we are getting that slow reveal. I feel like episode one was really hard scoped into holy shit Dexter's back and you need to know what's going on in his life right now before everything Mm -hmm. shifts and everything changes and now the scope of view that we're getting is starting to pan out and we're seeing how things around Dexter work in this new life that he's created for himself especially now that he has murdered someone where crime doesn't exist Uh or the extent of crime is pies got stolen or a goat got out and is eating somebody else's produce (laughs) They're dealing with an actual murder now. It's a really big deal. Plus, you know, Dexter's got the inner demons and Deborah yelling at him in one ear. And Deborah's his projection of Deborah's really starting to mess with him now. It's scary. She's a horror element almost. It's so well played. We didn't talk about it. In one scene after Harrison is bedding down for the night at the cabin, we just see tap, tap tap and it's her with a bullet on the window outside and then she breaks the glass and screams in his face about how he's gonna mess Harrison up and then she's grabbing him by the mouth and holding him she's behind him grabbing the front of his mouth and well saying originally she's holding his throat the way he comes up to his victims before Ah, he m99s them think about it yep yeah, I thought it was supposed to represent the way he came up to his victims. Then she's trying to shove the bullet in because he's obviously fighting it off. Yeah, and she opens his mouth, pries it open, and then shoves the bullet in his mouth that supposedly killed her. A lot of people online are so fucking bad because it's the the casing is on mm-hmm. it. People are like, it took me out of the scene. It took me out okay. of the moment. Babies. I was like, bro, like, listen, <laughs> listen. Dexter being a cop for so long in a crime scene analyst wouldn't imagine a bullet in, in the casing also for the audience to be able to know what it is and not just like a honka metal because not everyone's familiar with guns and 
slugs. This girl right here. One last thing that I wanted to touch on, on Deborah screaming at him from the window, Deborah mm-hmm. coming out of the hole in the ice like she did last week, is we're not seeing it from the side. We are first person. She is screaming into the camera. So we are mm-hmm. really getting the emotional weight of what the hell is happening. And we're feeling what Dexter's feeling in that moment, which yes. in those moments, we're not really getting the inner monologue, but we are seeing it mm-hmm. through Dexter's eyes. So we are still in that mm-hmm. roller coaster with him. I love how they're filming this. It is so intense. It's so well done and is exactly what Dexter has to be in this time. I like that they're getting scarier, grittier. Granted, I I did not watch the window scene because I have a whole thing about people in windows. I can't do mm-hmm. it. And that's probably why I missed the neck holding situation. I feel like they're pulling a little bit more from the books and more from the first four seasons, season one specifically, of that gritty, that scary. John Lithgow is terrifying in season four. So they're definitely pulling that. Oh yeah. I like it. I feel like it's what it needs to be and it's very gripping Mm -hmm. and it makes you invested to see, oh God, what's next in Dexter's head and projection of Deborah. Deborah is terrifying right Um, now. I think even though we sat down and watched all of Dexter in the beginning of 2021, I think if that show were brand new and it were played on TV right now, I don't think it would do well. Yeah. It was good for the time. It was progressive for the time. It was very middle 2000s feel about it. And I feel like you can look Mm -hmm. back and watch it, but the way the new season is, is very appropriate for what television viewers expect. It evolved. Like Dexter. Definitely. It's an evolving monster, this show. That's all I got till next week. (laughs) Yeah. It was still a great episode. I would watch it again. No big qualms except for how the friggity fack did Harrison open that door? That's the mystery we're going to get solved by the end of this. How did Harrison open that door? (laughs) I I guess I have one question. I wonder if their plan was always, I mean, I guess because how else do you get Harrison to New York? I wonder if their plan was always to kill Hannah off or if they had to come up with that because she didn't want to return to the show or couldn't because of scheduling. Possibly. But again, how else do you get Harrison in New York if she's not dead? So maybe they didn't ask her to come back. Or he just ran away away because he found the letter and took off. Yeah. But even then you don't need her for that. But then it would bring into the whole thing of Dexter trying to find her because he loves her and you know that whole thing. So (laughs) we can't have Hannah alive for that reason. Yeah. Because deadass you think now that Harrison's found him that he wouldn't haul ass to Argentina. Yeah. (laughs) Take his goats, load them on a plane. Yeah. Be like here we got more goats. Yeah. (laughs) It's unfortunate. Maybe maybe she's not dead. Maybe that's the big reveal. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. We'll find out <laughs> in eight more weeks how this is going to end. I'm really concerned because Clyde Phillips really wanted to kill Dexter off and that's how he wanted to end Dexter the first stint. Yeah. And Showtime absolutely forbade him. So I wonder if he's going to get his way. Anyways, until next week, be safe. Look for cameras in your room that you're staying in. Put a chair in front of the door. <laughs> Make good choices. Or don't and be smart about it. (laughs) Bye. All right, I'm ready. I'm buckling in. Buckling in, boys. Look at his little overall. This bitch is gonna fucking mock blueberry pancakes and then be that hungry. I think we are all owed an explanation. I'm not worried about the monster part. I'm worried about the why the fuck did you become a lumberjack? I'm not even worried about that. I'm worried about how did he drive his boat into the middle of a fucking hurricane? And live. No! No! Pancreatic cancer? Our girl didn't deserve that. She deserves better. This is so awkward. I hate this. Kid's just gonna go take a massive dump in his sink. He's gonna do it in the tank. (laughs) 
an upper decker, baby. <laughs> oh, I don't like. No, I don't want it. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this shit. Nope, nope, nope. Not gonna happen. Fuck this deb. Oh my lord. Okay. Storm of fuck. There it is. Storm of fuck. Oh, this girl's about to be in a storm of fuck. What the fuck? Where did she get the champagne and? I don't know. She looked just as confused as we are about it. Oh no. I'm guessing she didn't go to the shelter. She went to a hotel. Oh, all that's drugged. All that shit's drugged. Oh, and that being red marker is intentional because the slants are supposed to look like the cheek slices. Yes. Every detail. They thought of everything, man. He can't mark off another day, which he should have to cover his own ass. Gonna regret that later. Your detective girlfriend's gonna come in there and be like, why is the 6th of December not marked off? Got it. Dexter, you dumb son of a bitch. Brian and I watched this, you know, last Sunday. And he goes, all of his plants are going to freeze. I go, I think he's got bigger fish to fry here. <laughs> all that hard vegetation work, man. Out the window. There's still one spot, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> There's still a blood trail. Those jeans are good. Those are some good. What brand? What brand are those? I think they custom made them out of angel wings. Why is he giving me doomsday killer vibes? <laughs> That's actually Mr. Floppy Nips Hank's son. I don't like how quickly and easily Harrison's lying. Right? Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no, 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 no. That's gonna end bad somehow. He's either gonna kill her or fuck her or both. At the same time. True Dexter Hannah style, bro. That patch of blood back there is making me anxious. <laughs> think how Dexter feels. <laughs> I don't think that's all champagne, girl. A champagne don't do you like that. Something, something, if you're a good person, you don't have to talk about it. There's a rack, there's a rack, there's a rack, there's a rack. Where's the rack? <laughs> Looking for a needle in a fucking haystack, dude. He grew up calling him a mom. <laughs> Rips your heart out every time, doesn't it? <sighs> I'm like so sad. Yeah. He just is so cat. Like, mom, 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 mom. Like, well, that's all he's known. I know. It's all that child has known. Our highlight reel is not going to be anywhere as hype as it was last week. It's just going to be me crying for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> mom, mom. How does he not have hat hair? This is bullshit. I wore a beanie yesterday. Look at this bullshit. Because they yelled cut and someone came over and brushed his hair. I would love to help you with the goats. I swear to God. Ah! No. Hannah got the farm. Hannah got the farm she wanted. Why would you say that to me? <laughs> Harrison doesn't have the same social issues Dexter does. He about to go over there and like sweet talk it. He's going to drop a load in all three of these girls. Right? Also, could you never say that again? <laughs> Like, ever? You're telling me she didn't see that camera that's got a light on it? She's laughing at its tongue, sticking out of its mouth. Just, oh. It's like, ah! <laughs> it's an, ah! <laughs> he has a fucking lockpick in his back. Motherfucker. Why is he looking around all nervous? Like... <laughs> They've got like a crowd or that. She saw through it. That's what it looked like. She even sits like Deb. What the fuck? <laughs> Dexter's gonna melt down. He's like, I shipped that kid off to Argentina for a fucking reason. I don't want right? to be worried about any of this shit. Stop bringing it up. Stop bringing it up. He's <laughs> twisting that knife. Oh, motherfuck. That's a big truck. That's a rich man's truck. Megan, meet your big bad. He's this, the one keeping the girls, isn't he? This is the big bad. This is Matt's father. Yeah. Oh, fuck off, you white piece of shit. That was a lot. Two bitches, yeah. Two bitches, two bitches just watching TV. <laughs> Bitch.